May the words of my mouth and the meditations of each heart be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. Good morning. I'm grateful to see everybody on this uh, Super Bowl Sunday, a day on which we offer our special prayers for St. Patrick uh, Mahomes. <laughs> I try to talk Kathy into wearing her Mahomes jersey under her choir robes. I'm pretty sure she exercised better judgment. <laughs> But if that requires explanation, I saw a social media post where someone claimed to be Texan by birth, Red Raider by choice, and Chiefs fan by Mahomes. <laughs> this is an open and inclusive congregation, so if you're a fan of the 49ers, you are welcome here, <laughs> along with Longhorns and Aggies and all. Kathy and I had a wonderful time last night with a vestry dinner, vestry and clergy and their spouses uh, for longer than we have, far longer than we have been a part of this congregation, Heavenly Rest has been characterized by your exceptionally strong lay leadership. Uh, when we moved here nearly 30 years ago, just almost, uh, your senior warden, Kate Haney, was a child. And now she is one example of how well you recruit and develop leadership. Thank you, Kate. As for the clergy and staff, a couple of months ago, I heard someone exclaim that this is the best clergy staff team in the history of Heavenly Rest, and that is arguably so. Without question, it is remarkable. Thanks go to this entire staff for your leadership, pastoral care, inspiring worship, and service beyond those, these walls, and especially to the one who, through the power of the Spirit, has called this team together, your rector, Father David Romanick. Let's show our gratitude. here today, and partly because everyone's out of place. Um, <laughs> you have guests and visitors here today as we celebrate the Sacrament of Confirmation. If you are a visitor, we're glad you're here. Uh, we want you to feel free to participate in this service as fully as you feel comfortable or led. And to those who are being confirmed today or received into this tradition or reaffirming your faith, we count it a privilege to be a part of your lives on this day and on your journey. And later during this service, this gathering will make a vow to do all in our power to support you in your life in Christ. So every year on this last Sunday after the Epiphany, we read from the Gospel one of the versions of the Transfiguration. Each version has some nuanced differences, but the plot is basically the same. Each one describes a mystical event, an ecstatic, awesome experience for three disciples. 
This year we read from the Gospel according to Mark who says, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them and his clothes became dazzling white such as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah and Moses who were talking with Jesus. And as the story goes, Peter says to, to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Quite naturally, Peter wants to stay on the mountaintop, soaking in the presence of God, basking in the moment, this mountaintop experience. I suspect that Peter is expressing the desires of James and John as well, and maybe yours and mine. For it is a good thing to seek a knowledge of God's presence. We come together to celebrate the Holy Eucharist, believing that in some mysterious way, Christ is present in bread and wine. In our tradition, we don't try to explain how that happens, but we do believe in what we call the real presence. We believe in the real presence as we make our communion with God. There are lots of different ways to experience God's presence, maybe as many different ways, as many different spirituality types as there are people. To some people, Jesus is present as he walks with them and he talks with them. Others sense God's presence through meditation or centering prayer or other spiritual practices. Anglican spirituality has multiple roots, one being the Celtic tradition, which tells us that bidden or not, God is present. God's presence is not something we even need to ask for or try to manipulate in some way. Rather, God is present always. We simply need to awaken to that reality. There's a great hunger today to not only know about God, but to know God. And so in churches, we are seeing this shift from more academic classes about God to spiritual practices which lead to an awareness of God's presence. Your ex exploring spiritual treasure method here beautifully combines both the academic and the experiential. And while I personally am fed by theological studies, I am one who welcomes this movement towards spiritual practices and believes in this movement and participates in it. And yet I would suggest that today's gospel points us to something more that we see in today's gospel that our primary purpose as a people called to follow Jesus is something even more than seeking a knowledge of or an experience of God's presence. The way Luke tells this story of the transfiguration, Moses and Elijah and Jesus are speaking of departure. That's what they're talking about, the departure to, to accomplish at Jerusalem 
The story moves from the ecstatic, mystical experience of transfiguration to Jerusalem. Jesus comes down this mountain for a purpose. Jesus is on a mission. Jesus has something to accomplish. And as the story goes, Jesus will teach and confront and seek justice and suffer and forgive and die and rise and appear again and, and ascend all to restore humankind to communion with God and one another. God's mission is to restore humankind to union with God and God's mission has a church, the living members of the risen body of Christ called to participate in God's mission. And on this last Sunday after the Epiphany, and as we move into the season of Lent, we follow Jesus down this mountain for God's purposes. In recent history, the five marks of mission has resurfaced in the Episcopal Church. The Archbishop of Canterbury has been teaching from them the last couple of years. A document called The Five Marks of Mission was developed by the Anglican Consultative Council about 25 years ago. It was developed as a practical checklist for mission activities, and those five marks of mission are to proclaim the good news of the kingdom, to teach, baptize, and nurture new believers, to respond to human need and by loving service, to seek to transform unjust structures of society, to challenge violence of every kind, and to pursue peace and reconciliation, to strive to safeguard the integrity of creation and sustain and renew the life of the earth. That's a good practical checklist that keeps us on track. We're called to proclaim and embody the good news of God's love for all people, and we do that by nurturing new believers, by responding to human need, by transforming unjust structures, and by safeguarding creation. A few years ago, I attended the diocesan convention for our companion diocese, the Diocese of the Dominican Republic. The diocese in the DR has an amazing story. It has grown from around 25 congregations to over 70 congregations in about 20 years. At any rate, the theme for the diocesan convention in the DR that year was the five marks of mission. And period periodically throughout the weekend, they broke up into small groups to discuss each mark of mission, which I think is a good idea. Well, the guest preacher for the event was the Bishop of Nebraska, Scott Barker. And he preached on this theme as well. And Scott doesn't speak, he doesn't speak much Spanish, so he has a translator here, and everything is being translated as he speaks. Kind of like I'll have today at the next service with Swahili. He names the five marks of mission. And then he says, in effect, all of this is quite good, but I'm a simple guy, and I need something said a little simpler and easier to remember. So I've boiled down the five marks of mission to these three words, love like Jesus. 
And the translator says, Amaras mismo que Jesus. Love like Jesus. He says, do you want to proclaim the good news? The translator repeats the question in Spanish. God says, love like Jesus. Translator says, amarás mismo que Jesús. Says, do you want to grow? Love like Jesus. Do you want to make a difference to those in need? Love like Jesus. Do you want to impact the community around you? Love like Jesus. Do you want to transform your culture? Love like Jesus. Three words. Love like Jesus. I would suggest that the Bishop of Nebraska has named the main thing. It's love. Jesus comes down the mountaintop, the mountaintop of transfiguration, and begins his journey to Jerusalem because love is the main thing. The five marks of mission reflect love. When we participate in the five marks of mission, we embody God's love. We love like Jesus. The Archbishop of Canterbury, Justin Welby, makes the following observation about God's mission. He also is pretty straightforward and easy to understand. He says, whenever Christians speak out on issues of poverty or social issues of all kinds, we always get letters saying, why don't you just talk about God and stop getting muddled up in other subjects? It says, when I go to my Bible and think, okay, what is God saying? And how do I talk more about God and get closer to God and encourage other people to get closer to God? And the thing that I find is God says, love me, and show you love me by loving your neighbor. And if you love your neighbor, you're going to be deeply concerned in the things that trouble them, whether it's about heating bills, whether it's about insecurity in families, or the need for a good community life. It says the church is involved in those because we want to demonstrate that we have freely received the love of God and we want to share that with others. It's not about politics, he says. It's about love. Jesus comes down the mountain of transfiguration on a mission. He's going to teach love. He's going to show love. He's going to challenge the religious authorities and the political authorities who don't show love. And from the cross, he's going to forgive every one of us, perhaps the ultimate act of love and the way we're restored to communion with one another and God. Unmerited, undeserved, unearned love. Love without conditions. We gather today to celebrate the Holy Eucharist, believing in the real presence. Christ is made known in the breaking of bread. We extend our hands to receive the body and blood of Christ, and as the early church theologians claim, we become what we receive, the body of Christ. 
And while we may want to build three dwellings, so to speak, after we make our communion, we process out following the processional cross and we go forth into the world to love like Jesus. In the name of the Holy Trinity, one God in whom we live and move and have our being.